Welcome to another episode of the Choose Optimism podcast brought to you by Optimist International. It's always a pleasure to have folks listening to us to let people know what's going on in their backyards or their communities, that there are people volunteering in your communities to make your community a better place. We always like to start the podcast as usual with a quote, and today we're going to be talking about building. And I started with, I would like to start with unity is strength. When there is teamwork and collaboration, wonderful things can be achieved. And it is my honor at this time to introduce our guest for today, the club building guru for Optimist International, Mr. Jim Boyd. Jim, thanks for having uh, coming on and talking to us today about building clubs. No trouble, Shane. Always a pleasure to do it. Uh, Jim and I had the pleasure of building a club in Montana a few years back, and so I got to learn quite a bit from him. So it's exciting to have you share your knowledge with our listening base. So uh, just a couple of quick things, Jim. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your Optimist story. That's one of the things we talk about is what is your Optimist story? How did you get involved with Optimist International and become an Optimist? Do you want the true story or the one that has little white lies in it? Whichever one you want to give us. The little white lie story is um, I'm married to my my wife, Judy, now for 29 years. And about 30 years ago, we were dating. And of course, when a gentleman is enamored with a woman, he tries to do all kinds of sometimes crazy things in order to get in good with a lady. So at that time, I was renting a house and I gave her a key to the house. And I came back from work one day and there on my kitchen table was a membership brochure for Optimist International. And see, I grew up in a house that was, uh, my father was a lion, member of Lions International. So I really had not heard very much about the Optimist back in the day. And I took a look at the brochure and then I realized, I wonder if this is part of the prenup. Do I have to get the, in order to get the girl, do I have to become an Optimist? So eventually I I did I did join. Her club at the time met at Monday morning on at 7 a.m. Goodness gracious. And at the time I was working in broadcast journalism and I was on the air uh, at 7 a.m. in the morning. So I didn't get really involved until about four or five years later when we moved to Des Moines. And I actually kind of got banker's hours. And then I became a club president, lieutenant governor, eventually governor, served on international committees. And in about 2016, I kind of got tired of radio news. I'd been doing it for 35 years. And there just so happened to be an opening at that same time on the staff of Optimist International. So I contacted uh, executive director Benny Ellerby at the time. And about five weeks later, I was on staff, and I've been doing new club building uh, for Optimist International since then. Prior to that, prior to being on staff, I was a new club builder, uh, a builder of excellence. I think it was 18 times, and once I became on staff, you lost the opportunity to have that designation again because they didn't give it to staff. But anyway, a lot of that done in the Iowa district where I live. I live in the Des Moines area of Iowa. and But since then, I've helped develop Optimus clubs all over the world. So it's probably a pretty unique experience to be uh, able to travel and do some of the stuff you've been with new club building. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity because I'm not one of those people that can survive in an office for very long. I have to get out and about. It's, it's my nature to be able to talk to people which is a completely 180 degree turn from the way it was 40 years ago when I was an introvert. But through new club building and membership recruitment and so on and so forth, I've now gone to the other end of the scale where I have to get out and about. In fact, the last weekend in August, I will be doing a growth-related trip to the Alabama-Mississippi district and have traveled globally a couple of times, both to the Middle East and Asia. 
for new club building efforts. So when a club wants to start building a new club, um, obviously there's some steps to take, but what, when you start a process, what's the, one of the first things when you start building a new club, what, what do our clubs within our organization need to be looking for? One of the things I often tell people is take a look at where you are located and the clubs around you, and then take a look at that same map and look at communities where there are not. Optimus Clubs. Those could easily be your target because, granted, there may already be service organizations in that community, but unless it is extremely small, the odds are pretty good for you to find at least 15 people that might want to jump on the Optimus bandwagon. So basically, take a look at the map in your district and see where there aren't Optimus Clubs. Then talk to your club members and find out if they happen to know anybody in those communities. Because that's really one of the keys. You, you have to find somebody who really wants to jump on the bandwagon, kind of like your key person. And that can be anybody. It could be a friend, could be a relative if they'll talk to you, or it could be uh, what I call a mover and shaker in the community. Think of government leaders, school officials, so on and so forth that you could contact and make the initial pitch. So when you find that person that's, that you have that you want to help build the club in that new community, what are some tips about Optimus International that we can use to sell our organization of why it's going to benefit their community? Well, there are a couple of things in that regard. One is the tried and true thing that we've been doing now for 106 years in that we do projects in the community to enhance the lives of young people. But something that is often overlooked and I consider it to be just as important as what I just told you, is the second phase of being part of being part of Optimist International. And that is the professional and personal development opportunities afforded to our members through their membership. And let me expand on that just a little bit. I can tell you that, as I mentioned earlier, I was an introvert long ago. But by being an optimist, by associating with like-minded people, by taking on some responsibilities of leadership, you gradually came, I gradually came out of my shell. So that was a major personal development improvement that was caused simply by being a member of an Optimus Club. There are also the professional development opportunities. And to a great degree, we rely on the leadership development department at Optimist International for that, because through it, it has created the Optimist Institute, which is free to all of our members. But the Institute not only provides online video opportunities to learn about how to be a better optimist, how to be a good officer, so on and so forth, but there are also non-optimist topics on the Institute that anybody can take a look at. And they're 15 to 20 minutes, so it's not like we're asking you to spend half a day in front of your computer for one of these seminars. So it's, it's both, helping young people from the preschool age to the high school age as well as giving yourselves opportunity to become a better person. Those sound like some pretty good selling points because people, if you're not trying to improve, there's something wrong, I always feel, with people if they're not trying to do something better, whether it's working on public speaking, learning a new skill. I, I'm a firm believer in always, always learning something new. When we get these clubs started, when we have these initial meetings to get these going, how many members does it take to make a new Optimist Club? The current requirement is a minimum of 15. Now, I always encourage people to go higher because of the uh, attrition rate that happens anytime you do an, uh, you create a new Optimist Club. As an example, if you start a new Optimist Club with 20 people, 
you will likely lose three or four within the first six months. This isn't my cup of tea. My work schedule has changed. I can't come, I can't be as involved as I want to. So they're going to drop off. But at that, with starting with 20, you still have 16. You still have a pretty viable group. If you start at 15 and you lose four or five, you're suddenly down to 10 and you're teetering on the area of being, of no longer being efficient or being able to do as much as you can with more people. It's the old adage of, Many hands make light work. So if you have more than the 15 required, it may help you in the long run as far as sustaining that Optimus Club. Let me also add something you mentioned about meetings. Meetings are, I think, a, let's see, four or five, an eight-letter word that turns off a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying you do away with Optimus Club meetings, but in the club development process, there are other options. I'm a big fan of a cup of coffee at a local coffee shop. I just love the environment where I can talk with a prospect one-on-one -on -one about becoming an optimist. Yeah, that takes a little more time than trying to get some people together for a meeting in the evening. But it also gives the club builder, if we can use that term, an opportunity to get to know the prospect. And it's a lot easier to convince somebody to do something if you know a little bit about them. I could provide examples later on if you'd like, but that's the way I work. Now, we still have opportunities to do informational meetings. The, the issue with that is it's very difficult to get a, whole, a lot of people together, for example, at seven o'clock on a Tuesday night, just because of their schedules. So if you're going to go that route, you need to plan to do several of those on alternative nights, because some people who can't make seven o'clock on a Tuesday night could do 6.30 on Thursday. So keep that in mind as you're doing the club development prospect and you're, and you're talking with prospects, that you not only have the informational meeting avenue from which to try to get people involved, but also try the one-on-one. -on -one. So you talk about after, you know, the one-on-one -on -one experience, especially after you get a club started, a new club, what can the, the sponsor club do to help these new clubs thrive and continue to be successful and make sure that the clubs don't come to a, a screeching halt? What, what can the the sponsor clubs. I think that's a thing, another thing we should focus on because I, I, I feel that sometimes they just build a club and then they just leave it hanging. What are some tips you have that a sponsor club should do to help keep a new club viable and moving? To use your words, don't leave them hanging. An optimist club will likely succeed if you get past what I call the sophomore slump. In other words, year two, because you have excitement initially of forming the new club and you've got the officers selected. It's in year two when some of those officers change and you've lost some of that excitement that a lot of times we find that clubs just go away. If the sponsor club stays engaged, and it's technically supposed to do that for at least 18 months, then the chances of surviving the sophomore slump improve tremendously. And if they do, that club's probably going to be around for five to 10 years. And that I'm just basing that on anecdotal evidence and some statistical evidence, but the club needs to stay engaged. So when the new club project is underway, the sponsor club is working to find members. There should also be a small group of that sponsor club that's charged with the follow-up program of staying in touch with them. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be at every meeting or every event they do. Back in the day before Zoom, that was kind of the way it was done. But now you can check in with them on Zoom. You could attend their meeting via Zoom or some other video platform. And that's fine. It's keeping in touch with them. 
and making sure that their one foot is going in front of the other in the proper way. Um, and and one, there's one other thing. I referenced the Optimist Institute in a previous uh, answer. There is now a 16-session new club session on the Institute, 16 videos. And every new club should review that because it really helps lay the foundation for success. So after the club is, like you said, been successful, we talked about, you mentioned before, a builder of excellence. What exactly is a builder of excellence and how can one strive to be a builder of excellence? The builder of excellence designation was created years ago to actually reward the effort by a couple of people who did the most work in developing the new Optimus Club. I have often said that developing a new Optimus Club is one of the hardest things an optimist can do, but it's also one of the most rewarding because by putting in 60 to 90 days of your time and developing a new optimist club, you're actually leaving a legacy in a new community that hopefully will thrive for decades. Now, the Builder of Excellence, like I said, is an award that we hand out to a couple of members of a sponsor club. There can be two sponsor clubs per project. So if I'm developing a new uh, Optimus Club in Montana, where you live, one club could have two sponsors. If there's a second sponsor club, you can now have four. But again, the Builders of Excellence is just a recognition by Optimist International for all of the toil and sweat that you put in to helping to develop this new Optimus Club. What uh, You said that before when you've been doing some new club building, what, you've traveled globally. What are some of the stuff Optimist International is doing to grow globally within the organization to be optimist international truly now when i when i when we talk about international i'm saying outside the caribbean and north america and that kind of growth really is organic we don't have boots on the ground in various countries developing optimist clubs like we try to do here in the united states canada and the caribbean the best example is nepal and it started all in nepal by answering an email that I received from a gentleman in Kathmandu. He was a university professor who explored the various organizations out there, Optimist, Lions, Kiwanis, and Rotary, and decided that they wanted to do an Optimist Club. So in spring of 2017, we formed the Optimist Club of Kathmandu. And since then, because of their work and some guidance from Optimist International, there are now 48 adult and three junior Optimist clubs in the country. And we will have two more there before the middle of September. And it all happens again because they see the mission of Optimist International and they want that positive influence in their lives. I mean, we are called optimists. So they just go about and, and develop new optimist clubs. They get friends to do this. They get relatives to do this. They get members of other service organizations. We have several members in Nepal who are also members of Lions, you know, or have been members of the JCs. Nepal is an anomaly because nowhere else have we had that much success. But still, just today, uh, August 23rd, I received an email that I have to respond to from a woman in Indonesia who wanted to develop an Optimist Club there because of the connection that it would bring to Indonesia for children to learn English, of all things. Not in our mission statement anywhere, but that's what they want. They see Optimist International as an opportunity for a degree of positiveness in their lives that they may not have elsewhere. And there is a tremendous amount of pride in foreign countries especially in Asia, to being part of an international organization. So that's kind of helped fuel the, the growth we've had overseas. 
when we talk about building a new club, there's there's a, a different number of clubs that we can do, such as like the athletic clubs, the club within a club. Can you elaborate on a couple of those? So maybe the club that's looking to build a club can find the right fit for them. Yeah, there are there are several. As I just mentioned, junior optimist clubs, primarily for those ages 12 to 18. If you want to go into a school and organize some young people, it's the same thing. As many of you, uh, the listeners probably know, Junior Optimist International is a division of Optimist International, has its own board of directors of young people, and they basically do the same thing as the adults do, only like within their demographic, their age group. So there's a junior optimist club. You can do a sports club. And when we say sports clubs, it is designed primarily for organizing activities, sporting activities in their community. We have a number that sponsor football leagues and baseball leagues and so on and so forth. But again, you still need to have the optimist club there and we're the optimist umbrella over that for the purposes of just organization, as well as, you know, being able to utilize our insurance policy. There's the college club, specifically for those in the 18 to 23 range on college campuses. In my state, we have one at the University of Iowa, and it's been around since 2004. Uh, The thing that you have to remember with regard to college clubs is their membership roster changes dramatically from year to year because of graduation. So if a club of the college level does not replace the graduates from May in September, then that club is slowly going to dwindle in size to the point where they're going to basically give up the ship and probably disband. So the college club, while it's exciting to, to work with young people, it's also a little challenging because of the fluctuations with the roster. And as I mentioned, there's the international clubs, which we have, which we do still have North American clubs as sponsors, depending on the country. In Nepal, for example, a North American club and a club in Nepal will be the co-sponsors of new clubs. If it's in a new country, uh, like I referenced in Indonesia, which may or may not happen, then the sponsor club would be from North America. But at the same time, what it would still work the same way as it does here in the United States. We advise that there be communication on a regular basis between the North American club and the club overseas, not only to make sure they're doing things right, but to allow for cultural enrichment. Because let's use your state as an example, Shane. Life in Montana is probably a lot different than life in Bangladesh and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So you get to learn what it's like in other parts of the world. And let's face it, you get to develop friendships with people on the other side of the globe that are thinking just like you. When we all come together for a common uh, purpose, it makes it a lot more fun, I believe. Yeah. And let me, let me, let me, as you were commenting there, I thought of one other thing and you referenced it earlier, the club within a club. It is a concept that was developed, I think in 2018, and it has really been underutilized throughout Optimist International. The club within a club basically says this, you have a local Optimist club that perhaps the members are getting a little bit older. They can't do as much as they used to, or the club is getting kind of small and they need more hands. So with a club within a club, what happens is that club finds 15 new members. It sounds like it's a new club building project, but these new members become part of that club that was struggling or is in need of more assistance. They can still do their own projects. They can still do their own fundraising. They can run that fundraising, however, through the parent club, if I can use that phrase. So that means they don't have to have their tax ID number from the IRS and so on and so forth. The club within a club members, like I say, can do their own projects, but they can help 
the parent club with some of its projects. And hopefully, some of the parent club members can help the club within a club members with some of their projects. So it's aimed at rejuvenating an existing club, but getting more people involved in the Optimist family that could be from a different demographic than the parent club membership. That's why the club within a club was uh, created several years ago. So with all the new club building that we've always had, I'm going to try to stump you with a question here so far. In all the clubs that you've built, what has been your favorite club project that you have built or favorite club that you have built in your career of club building? Well, there are probably two. No, there are probably many more than that, but I'll, I'll do two because of time. Obviously, it's the first because you're nervous as heck. You don't like hearing the word no, but you're stepping out of your comfort zone to go and do this. And here's a quick story. My first one was in 2003, I believe. And I had set up an appointment to meet a florist. Hang on a minute. I got to turn off the phone. To meet a florist about becoming part of this new club. I sat out in my minivan back in the day, um, gathering up the courage for 20 minutes to walk into the flower shop to talk to this woman. When I finally did, it turns out she wasn't there. Left a brochure. And four days later, it was returned in the mail to me with the new member, the charter member fee. But that was the start of it. And about uh, eight weeks later, the club was formed. But that was so satisfying because I was able to, able to overcome fear. And the second one is more general in nature. I love the international development aspect. I love talking to people. I like the challenge trying to develop a club in Indonesia or Bangladesh or where else. We, we had an inquiry earlier this week, uh, the week of August 21st, from Egypt. I like that challenge, trying to convince people that, hey, you know, the optimists, we're pretty good and you need to be involved for obviously the various reasons that we've kind of alluded to in this podcast. And to be able to say, I've got an organizational meeting in XYZ country at this particular day, it's, it's really kind of a thrill for me and still is after almost seven years of being on staff. Pretty cool that you're able to grow our organization and have a lot of fun doing it. And that's the, I really believe if people are having fun in our organization, our clubs will thrive in our communities. Exactly, exactly. If you make this all about just meetings and, and following the old ways, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with the old ways, but they were developed for a specific time. But if you engage in new ideas, new ways of doing things, having fun, as you said, yeah, the organization will continue to thrive and hopefully start to grow. But again, despite everything we try to do with membership recruitment and membership retention, still the biggest bang for the buck is a new club. Well, new the clubs are the life Line and the lifeblood of our organization. Without our clubs, we do not have Optimist or Optimist International. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. And you know, there there are times that people say, "Well, why do we need clubs? Why can't we just get together as a group?" Technically, you can, but at the same time, you lose that global family perspective. I mean, I'm a member of the Optimist Club of Urbandale, Iowa, twenty people. But by being part of Optimist International, I have friends all over the world, including the guy that's interviewing me from Montana. That would have never happened if I was just a member of the Urbandale, Iowa Optimist Club. You have to have I, the broader I, perspective to have that connection globally with people who think like you. I totally agree, Linda. If we're Like I said, if we are, aren't our clubs having fun, we're not doing something, we're doing something wrong. Yep, exactly. Which and leads me to where we can probably wrap up with, we always wrap up with a quote because it uh, makes everything kind of tie together at the end. And this ties in perfectly where we're at right now, Jim, is 
We're not building a future for a few years. We're building a future for a lifetime. And I think that's really the purpose behind new club building within Optimist International. It is. And it, 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 there's something that I probably should have said somewhere in the last half hour or so. But this only works if you put more than your toes in the water. You can become an optimist. But if you don't kind of dive into it a little bit, you're not going to get much out of it. Now, I'm not saying you have to do this 24-7. Goodness gracious, you need a life outside of the optimist world. But still, if you really engage in a new club or if you just engage in your own club a little bit more, Go in at least knee-deep, maybe waist-deep. You will find that the rewards are appreciable and that the time you're committing is well worth your time. That is a great way to sum up what exactly has been said this whole half hour and a few sentences. Jim, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you sharing your knowledge with our membership and potential listeners who could become potential optimists in our organization. I cannot thank you enough for your time today to help us with this. Hey, no problem, Shane. Anytime. Hope to see you soon in Montana. Sounds good, Jim. For a conference at some point. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, thanks for listening for today's uh, today's podcast of Choose Optimism. If you like our podcast, please log on and give us a five-star review and share with your friends and family. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast episode. And until then, remember to choose optimism.